All right, welcome on into the Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chapman. We are going along until Tyler gets here. When he gets here, if he gets here, we will be going over Detroit Lions content. So if you have any con- any comments, concerns about the Detroit Lions, let's answer them right here on the Detroit Lions News Podcast on Between the Whistles Detroit YouTube page. If you're new to the channel on YouTube, you could subscribe to Between the Whistles Detroit on YouTube, Between the Whistles Detroit. And if you're on Facebook, Detroit Lions News Podcast, and that's what you will go to. Thanks to the one viewer who has joined me so far as we talk about the Detroit Lions. Let's get into it. Yesterday, the Detroit Lions won just a shootout. 41-38. What a great game it was for the Detroit Lions. They absolutely absolutely just played their ass off. And when we look at the quarterback stats, let's, you know, when we look at the quarterback stats, you look at Justin Herbert and you look at Jared Goff. 23 for 33 for Jared Goff. Two touchdowns, 122.4 quarterback rating. Justin Herbert, 27 for 43, 23, four touchdowns and one reception. Total shootout from both teams. Just a total shootout. And when you talk about the two teams, I know a lot of people want to emphasize on Aaron Glenn. Why didn't Aaron Glenn, Yeah, why wasn't the defense up to snuff? And just sometimes you have to say when a game is like that, that sometimes you are a product of your circumstance. In totality with the Detroit Lions, they are a product of their circumstance when they're in a shootout. This time they came ahead. Remember last year, the Seattle Seahawks-Detroit Lions game? They didn't win that game. There were certain games last year that they did not win because they were in a shootout, and they just didn't make the right plays to win. The key here in yesterday's game was the Detroit Lions getting that turnover. Kirby Joseph gets the interception. Kirby Joseph, read this stat. First Lions player to produce at least six interceptions and two forced fumbles for two seasons, two career seasons in the Super Bowl area since 1970. Guys, Kirby Joseph is legit. Like, I think a lot of us thought that he'd be really good, you know, in his second year, but he's really coming on. This could be a very, very key for the Detroit Lions. Kirby Joseph, what a day he had. I, if you're in the comment section, you're one of the 18 viewers right now. 16 viewers, listen, you have comments, we'll get to them, let's talk, let's talk Lions football, because this is an interactive show, and it's great to have people on here, so let's get to it. Uh, No injuries, woo, you know what, that is great, that's great, uh, that's a great point, no injuries, you want to make sure you get your, you, you want to stay ahead from no injuries. So yesterday, yesterday, Tyler's texting right now. Oh, I got to give him a stringer link. That makes sense. My bad, Tyler. My bad, my bad, my bad. Um, hold on. Let me get this link to... All right, Tyler, I sent you your stream. You're, you're, you're like, okay. Ray says, what a game by the Detroit Lions. What a game it was. Um, Facebook user, I don't know why it says this when uh, someone in the group comments, but if, you could, if you're in a group, please leave your name or else we won't see who the hell is commenting because I like to give people freaking credit. That's what I like to do. So where's my stream yard link, bro? That has to be Tyler. It has to be Tyler. 
And here's Tyler. What up? What up, boy? What up? What up? Man, Woo. victory Monday. Let's go, y'all. All right. I need a damn haircut. All right, Tyler. First of all, welcome in. Because uh, obviously I started a little bit. I didn't forgot to give you the string link. The string I, I was going to comment on myself. I'm like, I'm like, dog, yo. <laughs> I was doing the podcast with Ann, uh, Ann Erickson of the uh, the riff, and if you uh, if you get a go, if you get a chance, go uh, listen to it. I thought I brought it up, but I didn't. But it's on the Facebook page. Go listen to it. It's great. We had a great uh, talk about Detroit Lions. But Tyler is um, Tyler doesn't think. First of all, let me, let me get your thoughts on yesterday's game because I know you have a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Um, can you hear me a little better now? Ah, damn it. Um, so, yeah. So, like, Aaron Glenn sucks. Um, anyways, uh, that's my first thought. Uh, second thought is that um, I loved how we decided that we were going to get JMO involved like we have been wanting. Um, I love that little short, um, little short screenplay to, that got white back. It was a touchdown, but it got him involved. It got him the touches. It makes me feel like they're like actively trying their best to get their playmakers involved. And they're kind of listening to like the noise of, of wanting that to happen. Uh, overall, just complete domination. I mean, literally completely dominated the ground, completely dominated the pass. I mean, we, the reason that I'm so, like, upset, I know it was a shootout, and the Chargers are a team that a shootout can happen with, and I understand that. But it, when you are so absolutely dominant, this reminds me exactly of the Seahawks game the last two years where we weren't on the winning side of that because we made a tiny error. Like, our offense had to be absolutely perfect for us to win this game, and thank God they were. We had, like, over 500 freaking 30 yards of offense. And we had to be perfect or right we we're going to win that game. And that's what scares me is because you can't expect the offense to always be that perfect. Those dudes were on fire. Like, I, I just – it sucks because Aaron Glenn looked like he was coach. Like, this dude looked like he just came out of kindergarten trying to coach his defense. I just I, – I wasn't a fan. Yeah, but the thing, you know, I think I, I take out of it is, like, when you're in an offensive shootout like that, I don't really think that you can control it as a defensive coordinator. I mean, I remember when – uh when Steve Spagnuolo and the uh, and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs went against the Buffalo Bills, and that was a shootout in the AFC Championship game of all things, and it was mainly offense. So, it's sometimes you're not gonna you're not gonna shut down an opponent, and you're gonna have to be perfect. And that's where Jared Goff earns his money. You know, it's kind of like this. I think a lot of people who are Jared Goff detractors. Um, I think they got a good glimpse of what Jared Goff can offer. You know, nope. he can match he can match a guy like Justin Herbert. He can match guys like that. He's done it before. He did it to yesterday, and that was a great game by the Lions. But you know what? You're right. It, it, I said it earlier in a podcast. I said this game did remind you of the Seattle game of last year, the Miami game of last year, where you didn't come up on on the on the winning side of the equation. But this time around, you made the plays necessary to win the game. And the Kirby Joseph interception, that was crucial in, oh, yeah. in them winning. So when you when you do go through those shootouts, sometimes you have to get an interception. The player, the team that goes, you know, doesn't turn over the ball is probably gonna win. Usually that's the case. But I just the, the thing that's weird is like I don't think Aaron Glenn is too 
stupid to be a good coordinator. I don't no. think that he lacks understanding of the game. I don't think he lacks experience. I don't think he like some guys. It's like Brandon Staley. That guy's just stupid, right? Like, like right. just coaches that are just like, wow, you are just not smart at football. Um, and I, the way I see like Aaron Glenn is that like it's like when you need to adjust on the fly or decide to make a smart move instantly right then and there, it's like he just kind of shits his pants more often than not. Like the thing that blew my mind is it's third and nine on a clear passing situation and you're trying to surprise them with a corner blitz and you leave Keenan Allen wide open in the slot who's been kicking your freaking ass. It's little things like that where like I don't under, I don't mind if the players get beat and they get like they get hurt, but when you call such a, a kind of stupid and ballsy play that it leaves their best playmaker wide open. It just, it's just like, I'm like, man, I sure as hell hope that in a, in an NFC championship or a divisional game in the playoffs, I hope that's not what he's cooking up, man. Cause it's not going to, it's not going to end well. Like I, I just, I just want to see someone be able to like, be able to make play calls that I guess make sense. And it just seems more often than not, he just decides when he wants to be aggressive and it's just in the oddest ways, like running zero high safety blitzes or running cornerback blitzes when we're on obvious passing long, like third and longs and shit. It just, it's just, there's something that's missing. And I, and I hope he sees that because this is one he kind of got lucky on and got away from because they were literally tearing us up scheme wise against like our, their passing offense was just shredding us to, well, pieces. let's be let's be honest right now. If if you're saying that the Lions got tore up, what were the Chargers getting tore? Were the Chargers getting tore oh, up? Absolutely, absolutely. Right. So so absolutely. you got you got to look at it in this spectrum. Like it's not going to be like okay. There's part of me that agrees with you. There's part of me that does agree with you. And yesterday when you were going off in the text chat, I was like, man, this guy's going off. Like what? When, when, what the I, and hell? it's easier. It's, it's the next day when you can articulate it a little bit and you can explain it a little bit. I'm, now, I'm explaining it better than I was yesterday. I was being where honest. I will agree with you. Yeah, there's some there's some portions of the game where like he did take you know he did take some chances. At the same time, if you take those chances and it works out, no one's saying a thing. If you right. take those chances and you get to the quarterback, no one's saying a thing. The issue with this Detroit Lions team right now is like Aiden Hutchinson gets pressure on the quarterback, right? But no one else gets pressure on the quarterback. That's the main thing that I worry about with this team is like, can you get pressure from your 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 uh, your your front offensive line? I mean, front defensive line. It, and that just shows we need another damn edge rusher, dude. That may that honestly pisses me off even more because you know who had a good you know who had a good game on Sunday. Chase freaking young, yep. you know, and it's like, I, I know that Brad has been awesome at evaluating talent and he's doing this the right way and he's building it the right way. But it's like, it just always seems like they're like, we can never do the obvious and cool thing because we want to build this culture and we want to have this grit. And it's like, man, Howie freaking Roseman or John Lynch is never afraid to stack up when it's time to stack up. And like, yeah, but guy I, like Chase Young man would have really helped out yesterday. I was along the lines of you should have traded for someone, right? I, I was, I was a parent. I people clown me over, and I, I really don't care because I say things that you know I could either take back or I could, I could walk back because I can. Because sometimes or you, you, double, change your or you double down on it and say screw it. Or sometimes you change your opinion. But when I look at the Lions, like I, I someone brought this to my attention. I, I do like this example. Would you take one year of Chase Young or would you take 
let's say you go in the draft and you draft a stud in the second round who's an edge rusher for the next four years. That's the thing you got to wait. And I think that's what Brad Holmes weighed. And then you hear stuff about uh, Chase Young in Washington, how he was kind of freelancing, doing things that he wasn't supposed to do, looking for the splash place. I just think sometimes you got to look at it like Dan Campbell said, they got to be the right scheme, the right fit, the right pick, you know, the right, the right price. And when I look at that, I go, okay, well, that's what happens. You know, like sometimes you don't think this guy can match you in the locker room and you'd kind of like say, okay, we don't think he's that great. And I wanted Montez sweat big time, but then I seen what the bears gave him and I'm like, never mind, It's fine. (laughs) Well, I mean, the the contract that Chicago bears gave Montez sweat. I was at the first, I was like, why didn't we get Montez? sweat? I would have gave him a first round pick. But then they paid him, and I was like, You're like oh. "All right, I'm walking it back now." <laughs> oh man, they give like a hundred, like a hundred mil over four years, man. Like yeah. that's that's so happy price for guys never made a Pro Bowl or an All Pro. Like it's pretty. So here's the thing: I got I, we got. Let's get to some comments in the comment section. Yeah, so uh, Darcy says no sacks allowed. Now you you spelled allowed, you know, loud like <laughs> raise the roof, Darcy. Come on. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's another thing. The offensive line is absolutely freaking – they absolutely made that game special yeah. because what they did was they protected Jared Goff to get the passes off. He didn't get hit. I think he got hit twice. But Jared Goff said he didn't get hit at, one, at once. So yeah. that offensive line did their freaking job. Well, I'm and I'm not a huge fan of uh... – you know, I'm not a huge fan of some of our other uh, competing um, podcasters, but um, Neil Rule on freaking Woodward today was talking about uh, about how like Panay Sewell may be the best offensive lineman in football, and I found it hard to argue with him. That dude is an absolute animal. Uh, I credit to Neil for for bringing that point up because uh, when you think about it, man, um, there's not many more men I would rather have on my offensive line than today's Sewell, and that dude is absolutely mauling people yesterday. It was nuts. Like, that was uh, that was impressive. Our line as a whole unit looks great, but Panay Sewell at 23 years old is absolutely insane. That dude is a menace. I thought I had the graphic up, but there was a graphic where uh, – it had Penai Sewell stats, and it was it that was matter, all top notch. And you, you can't say that you disagree with what Neil Rule said because you know the one thing I do like about Neil is he does say no, things that are no, he's a dog. And the one thing I will agree with him is if Penai Sewell plays the way he's playing, you're gonna break the bank for this kid because he is absolutely playing out of his mind. And I just like the way this whole offensive line's playing. And the guy that's an unsung hero in this whole situation is Graham Glasgow. Facts, I think bro, Graham facts. Glasgow has been the most underrated pick out of anybody. No, he was a great addition to come coming back. Uh, Frank Ragnow, you can just tell when Frank's uh, on the line and he's not. Like, his presence is just so, like, I mean, that's the reason he's one of the highest paid centers in the league. Um, I still, I, Taylor Decker is a tough SOB, and he is Detroit now. I mean, he's like, I love Taylor Decker. I mean, he's, he's a dog. He's gotten a lot better over the years. But I still am a strong component of, like, if we needed to shed room, and we needed to like somehow keep this line mostly together, but we needed to let someone go. Like I think that we are such a plug and play line that we are doing so well, we can probably um, afford to expend a couple of those guys, man. Like Vitai and Decker, we don't necessarily need them. Need them as long as you got Frank, um, and you got a good depth piece like Graham Glasgow, and you got uh, Panay Sewell. Like you are 
set up to be a top 10 line every single year. Like those are cornerstones. No, I wish someone would have left their name, but they said I'm Mont 75 Decker clears three dudes. And that's what I'm trying to say. If there's one person you got to take away from this line, I know the person you got to take away. He's up for a contract this year. Jonah. Jonah. Yeah. And the only reason I, and I don't, and like I said, I love Taylor Decker. The only way I'm, the only mind I'm thinking is like cap space. Cause this dude eats up 20 mil, you know? So, um, no, I, I, Taylor Decker's a great lineman. I, I'm almost, I'm, I'm hoping that he takes a hometown discount on his next contract because he will be older, but we'll see. If you could take a little bit of a restructure and then he restructures his deal, that would be ideal. Um, Someone again, if you're going to be in the Facebook group, the one pride group, (laughs) please leave your name so we can give you credit because this guy, Facebook user, they gave Montez Sweat Khalil Max money. Um, E. Kenna. Now, this is something that this is something that uh, Tyler is going to take pride in because this is his boy. J Mo had some key blocks on that run as well. Yeah, no, J Mo had some. He's a very, very underrated run blocker. He's amazing in the run block. I like I said, I love the fact that we um, were able to try to get him involved early, and I need to see more of that. He played a he played a lot more snaps than he's used to. And I actually like how the offense looked with a minute. I mean, he only had um, – he had two targets and two catches for 18 yards. He had a touchdown called back. And he had um, two really, really nice run blocks. One was huge on that uh, David Montgomery 75-yard touchdown. And I like how Jamal fit in. Um, if we – depending on how contracts goes, I kind of view Donovan Peoples-Jones as, like, kind of taking over Josh Reynolds' spot. Um, so if we can get JMO up to speed and we can get a receiving core of DPJ, Amon Ra and JMO and Laporta and Gibbs out of the backfield and we're all on all cylinders, you thought our offense is is freaking scary now, man. Like it it can still go to another level. Yeah. So I'm loving this man. And I, uh, some people were like DPJ is a, you know, and I see the, the uh, point how it can be kind of an insurance for JMO in case JMO just totally busts out. But, uh, I mean, I just – I see DPJ as more of that X receiver that we're missing. If JMO can become what we think he's going to become, I mean, this offense could take another stop in the right direction because I look at JMO, and I know a lot of people, they keep saying that – like that one idiot on the on the page, well, you can't talk about JMO because you are always hating on him. Listen, if he does good things, I'll say good things. If he does bad things, I'll say bad things. That's just the way it is. It's the one-stop shop. You can't get it all you want. So with the JMO situation, I hope he's good because if he's good, that opens up so much of the other parts of the field because of his speed and his is uh, you know, obviously when you have a guy that speedy and that fast, teams are gonna have to they're gonna have to like look at him and go, okay, we're gonna put a safety over top because if this guy gets beat, there's no way he's keeping up with him. So we gotta put a safety over top so that he doesn't get you know. Loose uh, out in the open field, and then you know what that opens up? Amra, St. Brown, I mean, Amra, Josh Reynolds, Cleef Raymond, Sam Laporta, Jerry Gibbs coming out of the backfield. I mean, you got so much talent back there that you that if Jameson is good, holy crap, this, this offense well, would be. And I love, like, I love the fact that, like, there's like a lot of the like greats are coming out and saying, like, look, like Herman Moore was like, look, man, I know what it's like to not have confidence. 
deal with a, some early drop issues, not really be like confident in yourself. He's like, you know what they did for me? They got me the ball early and often, and they set set plays for me, screens, end arounds. They got the ball in my hands, and that raised my confidence. Uh, Calvin Johnson offered to mentor JMO. I mean, so that like the, these high level guys in our organization that are, I mean, those are two of the top three receivers in probably Lions history. And they're saying these things about him. Like there's something there, like that's evident. It's just, can we get that confidence from him and can we unlock that next level from him and, and, and not, maybe not, can we, but when, when can we, like, when is this going to happen? Um, I don't know if we'll ever, I don't know if we'll see like a true, true, like JMO breakout soon, but I hope we do. But like, it's something you got to be able to see piece by piece and you got to be able to see the progress and see the progression and see, like, see the confidence rise and build. But, uh, I mean, I, I just, we've got, I, it's got to happen. It's got to work out. So <laughs> this, was, this, work was out. A, this was the graphic I was talking about. Lions PR posted this on their Twitter. I mean, their X, whatever the hell you call it nowadays, Twitter X, whatever. It said per PFF among all NFL tackles with 200 plus 250 plus blocking uh, snaps this season. Penisol ranks first in pressure allowed with fifth. Uh, tied first for in sacks allowed with zero, tied first in quarterback hurries allowed four, and tied fourth in quarterback hits allowed one. That's elite numbers right there. So going back to your point about what Neil said on Woodward Sports, he's right because if Penn I Sewell is putting up that kind of numbers, you're not, you know, that's that's elite territory right there. Dude, we've got the future like best. Ta- like tackle offensive tackle in general in the NFL for the next 12 years. Like we've got to keep this guy locked up. I feel like there's a lot of pieces on this Lions offense, not, a, not just on the Lions offense, but around the team. And this is a credit to uh, Brad Holmes. Sam Laporta might be the best tight end in a couple of years. Uh, Penai Sewell might be the best tackle in a couple of years. Right now you know, he pretty much is. He could. Yeah. Right now you could say he is, but if you look towards the future, you could look at Amron St. Brown. He's starting to trend towards elite because if you look at this, if you look at this, this is how, this is a top of the twenty-one uh, draft class career. Yeah, I'm tired of people around the nation in the league saying that Amon Ra is not like a top ten or a fringe top ten. Not to, like this dude is like a top five guy. Two hundred sixty receptions. The second closest is twenty-three away with Jamar Chase. I don't care who you are. If you're in the same category as Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase was the was a key wide receiver out there. I don't give me Jalen Waddle and don't give me Devontae Smith because if Devontae Smith didn't have AJ Brown, I question if he would be as good of a receiver as he is. Because you know AJ Brown takes so much of the coverage away, so right. much of the coverage away. But I just look at this team and I go, I go, man. If you look at it like this, Sewell, the Porta. If we go to Gibbs, look at Gibbs. This was the, pick your poison. You when you when the lines are on the ball, 193 combined yards, three combined t- touchdowns. Dude, you're not you're not getting any better than that. What's crazy is that people teams know that Amon Ra is Amon Ra, and they still can't do anything to stop it. Well, that's what I was pointing to yesterday because when I when I did the when I did the whole breakdown, um, this is if you look at these numbers, Amon Ra St. Brown eight receptions, nine targets, 156 yards, 19.5 yard uh, yards per average one touchdown then he had keenan allen and i think these guys are the same freaking wide receiver look at the look at the yardage they get up the targets 
the receptions, the touchdowns, the yards per uh, per catch. I think that we got another Keenan Allen, and I feel like Keenan Allen is so underrated in this NFL. No one gives him credit because he plays with the Chargers, and the Chargers don't win jack shit. But he's a great wide receiver. And 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 he freaking he hates being called underrated. It's kind of funny. Um, but, but he is. Does anybody <laughs> ever, does anybody ever mention Keenan Allen in top five? And I think a lot of it has to do with just like he's been he's just so like always injured. But like low key, no. I mean Keenan Allen is is definitely no lower than top seven in the league. You know, I, I mean, awesome. like he's 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 a guy, man, definitely. And uh, no, I'm in raw. I mean, you know. He's starting to get some deep ball or some deep route too, man. Like people are like, "Oh, well, he'll he'll never take you off. He'll never take the top off the defense, but he'll cut you underneath." Bullshit, man. I've seen him take the top off it a few times this season, so he must he's developing that in his game. I love the way Amon Ra is coming about. I think he's only getting better. And the one thing I can say about Amon Ra is he just finds a way to get open. I don't care what it is. And he, that's where him and Keenan Allen are kind of the same freaking He's a technician, because, man. He is. Because they are always open. It doesn't matter. And I that's what I was trying to say to you, Tyler, yesterday was when you're going against Keenan Allen or Amon Ross St. Brown, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're you're pulling your, your hair out. Because what do you do? What do you do? They're so perfect with the precision and the way they run routes that you have to kind of – you kind of have to like say, okay, well, we can't just clamp down on him because if we clamp down on him, Sam Laporta. Same for the Chargers. You can't just clamp down on uh, on um, on um, Keenan Allen because Austin Eckler is going to beat you. So it, that's what I'm talking about. Like if are you we are, what? Sorry, go ahead. no, no, I finish here. I said we we're lucky that Mike Williams didn't play yesterday because that would have that would have been another t- tough guy to match up with. Are you worried or like actually concerned about like Aiden Hutchinson not getting these sacks? Like, what's like, is it? I mean, our defensive line as a whole, it's like we get pressure, but we don't get to the quarterback. And it's like, I don't know, this was supposed to be a, a, a part of our team that was supposed to be kind of re, re, like re restored and revamped and rebuilt. And they kind of regressed a lot from last year. It, it tells me one of two things. One, um, James Houston is more important to us than I thought. And, and two, we just don't have the talent and depth to let our stars like Aiden actually shine. Like, I'm kind of concerned about this D line, dude. We kind of look like shit. Well, here's what like, I was we saying. do and we don't. Like, the stats don't say the whole picture because I think that we're better than our stats show. It's just odd. It's like an odd conundrum with that D line. This is what I always talk about with defensive line. I think a lot of people look at defensive line, they go sacks, right? You you look at sacks and you go, that that's the way that you have to measure a defensive front. And I just don't think about like, cause I think about that one pass that Justin Herbert had to make on like a sidearm throw that ended up in the turf because Aiden Hutchinson was pressuring him. I think pressure is more important. I think that the lions leading, they're at the top of the league in pressures. They're not getting home, but they're getting pressure. And eventually, you know, you, there's going to be games where you get home all the time. You know, right. they had that seven-sack game against uh, freaking uh, the Raiders, which the Raiders, that's not nothing to run right home about. But you had against the Atlanta Falcons, and you, you did it against Tampa Bay, and, and you did, you're you doing it. The problem is you, it's hard to replicate. You know, you're not always going to get home. And the one thing I will, I will say about what you just said is Aiden Hutchinson, going into next year, you need to get him a defensive end that helps him out. Yeah. I think too many of um, 
too much of the, the game plan going into the season was to see what Romeo Aquara had and Julian Aquara and Charles Harris. Were they going to be healthy? And the fact of the matter is they have not played great. So right. you can't, you know, it. it's well, damaging. When one half of your line is dead. I mean, you know what I mean in production? Like the whole right side of our line is just shit. It's damn if you do, damn if you don't. Because I understand what Brad Holmes is doing. He wanted to go, you know, use other pieces to kind of make the team whole. I think he did count his chickens a little bit too much with the guys that he had coming back, like uh, Charles Harris and Romeo Quar, Julian Quar, and James Houston getting hurt didn't help matters. But right. the fact of the matter is, they're not deep there. And the one player that I kind of hope that he turns the corner in in the second half of the season is Josh Pascal. Because if he can if he can turn the corner, that would be really key. I mean, I, there was parts of the game where I, I saw him get some pressure, but the rest of it, like he just needs to get more pressure. He, he can't be, you know, we talked about John Kaminsky last year as a guy that was going to be huge for this team. Um, he hasn't been the same player. Uh, we just need more production from the guys that you expected a production from. But I think if I'm Brad Holmes, I look at this whole situation and I go. Okay, this is what I need in the coming up in the offseason. I don't really need I probably you could probably say their two biggest points of emphasis will be corner and defensive end. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. And and uh and I feel the same way. I just like it's like man, like I really thought that the rest of our defensive line with all those guys that you're naming on that other side would be enough and it just clearly has not been. Um, I think that, and I still don't know what the hell to think about James Houston. We basically saw him for six games, you know, and he was lightning in a bottle. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is he going to be great? Is he going to be average? Is he going to be good? Is he going to be shitty? I don't know. Who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, um, us not being able to help generate pressure on the other side is tough, but I'm really, 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 really happy with Aleem McNeil, man. Yeah. He his posting like if you if you're a bigger PFF guy or not, I mean he's been posting like some of the highest grades on the team week in and week out, and this dude is just an absolute animal at the middle, and that's not something that's always going to show up on the stats either. Uh, like he's not get, he's not like a big sack count guy, but Ali McNeil up the middle is just like that's a guy for us now. I mean that is a staple. Like we've now we've got Aleem and we've got Aiden. And if we get that one more piece on the other edge on the other side, our our defense is gonna be even crazier. So, yeah, shout well, out to McNeil man for balling. I'm looking at these edge players um, for next year. You got Daniel Hunter, you got Carl Lawson, you have Marcus Davenport, Zadarius Smith, Chase Young, Danico Autry, Leonard Floyd. I would like to get Leonard Floyd would be nice. Uh, Josh Allen from Jacksonville, Derek Barnett from Philadelphia, Brandon Graham from Philadelphia. That'd be cool to bring him home to Detroit. Um, there's there's not many defensive ends that I would go, okay, that's that, you know, you can talk about Clowney maybe. I don't think Clowney's that great. John Uche, he's more of a fourth, uh, three, four guy. I mean, there's not much you get until you get to like the bottom of the list. There's not much that you say. Okay, that guy can help us out right there. I mean, when you got Romeo Quar at the top of the list, like, come on, okay, stop. Yeah, like, oh no, yeah. With, with that being a deep, yeah, that deep of a free agency class, we can pretty much pick any one of those guys you said. And and the draft class is pretty better. huge too. That's why I kind of like that he kind. I did. I did like what Brad Holmes did because now that I'm looking at it from a, a Detroit Lions pre, uh, standpoint, I'm going okay. 
there are some defensive ends that I would love to have in the uh, in the college football ranks. And you know, you can go with Jack Sawyer from um, from Ohio State. You got Chop Robinson from Penn State. I don't think he'll last that long, but if he does, you take him uh, all you want. So it's it. Th- Chop Robinson kind of reminds me of a Micah Parsons. I don't think he's going to be there, but if he ever did get to the Detroit Lions, oh my God, I would take him in a heartbeat. And uh, and uh, Bear Bear Alexander, I don't think he 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 can't come out this year, can he? I think he has to wait one more year. Who? Uh, Bear Alexander, that dude from Georgia, the freaking DN. I think he's like got one guy. more year too. Yeah, he is an absolute dog too. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, and I wouldn't mind, man, if we're trying to get a blue chip guy and we're trying to keep this, you know, keep this thing going, you know, maybe making a trade up in the draft, um, yeah. you know, I mean, Hey, package a couple up and get up there. Now I see some comments in the comment section. Let's, let's, uh, get them. Uh, E. Kenna says, uh, credit to Herbert who extended a lot of plays. You know, that's what I'm saying. When you go against a guy that can scramble a pocket, that's kind of you're going to be limited on the number of sacks that you really get. You know, guys like Jalen Hurts, guys like uh, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, they're hard to sack. They just are. So you have to pressure them, and that's the way that you that's why you force them into throws that they don't want to throw. Um, Greg Brown says, "Go get Max Crosby in the offseason. The Raiders are not trading Max Crosby, and if you were a Raider fan, you wouldn't trade Max Crosby either. So we just need to stop that." Um, we need to hire a new defensive coordinator. Tyler agrees with that. I don't agree with that. I don't think defensive coordinator is an issue. I think that you really do have an issue at defensive end that I would have loved to see, you know, I would have loved to see that them t- do something at the trade deadline, but they didn't. So this is what you're left with. Now you got to hope for James Houston to come back by, by playoff time, and then hopefully he turns into what he was last year because, I mean, there's no one that's helping Aiden Hutchinson right now. I mean, besides the Lee McNeil, there's no one that's helping him out. I just saw uh, a mock draft that has the Lions at 29 taking Jared Verse from Florida State. I would love that. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. Oh, no. I, I don't know if he lasts that long. I mean, he was a lot better last year than he is this year. He kind of he's a little bit less consistent than he was last year. But Jared Verse is a guy, man. That'd be that'd be sweet. That would be a great pick. Uh, I. There's a lot of great edge rushers this year, so the Lions can get a really good one. So I'm not really worried about that. Um, cornerback, I mean, maybe you get one in free agency next year because I I don't like the cornerback class coming up. But they have there's a lot of things that this Lions team could do in the offseason. But it's a it's a we're in the main dish of it now. And I was talking yesterday, Tyler, on my little video I did. Uh, I I truly think that this Lions team can uh, go get home field advantage. And I think that would be huge for this team because if you can get home field advantage, it opens up a spot where you are gonna you're gonna play two home games to get to the Super Bowl instead of three playoff games, which right off the hop it's a it's a win. You know you have an easier schedule than the Philadelphia Eagles coming up. You have an easier schedule than the San Francisco 49ers coming up. So you should be able to make a run at this first, uh, first overall seat. And I just look at it like this. If you win, uh, if you get the first round by and Dallas comes in, I feel a lot better. I feel a lot better that Dallas is coming in on the road than at home. I feel a lot better that the Philadelphia Eagles are probably going to play the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round, and they're going to come to your place after that's why I think that it's so important that they go and get home field advantage. I was interested to hear your input from that. 
Yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's huge to get uh, to get home field. I mean, we're talking about having we're one of the best teams at home um, in the league. So and then obviously Jared Goff is fantastic at home. So I absolutely love that. Um, I think that is absolutely a real possibility. I mean, um, we have guys that, um, you know, we've been kind of fighting for this our whole lives. And you have guys that are proven, proven winners like Jared Goff on this team. Uh, and I think that it's going to be, I, I not going to sit here and say, yeah, we're for sure getting home field advantage. I'm not that confident for sure right now because you still got, you still got the Eagles and you still got, um, you know, anything can happen at this point in the year. Like I'm, I'm confident, but I'm not overly cocky and saying like, we for sure have it locked up. Like it's, it's still definitely, I get what what you're saying. Yeah. You know, it's definitely going to still take some work, but, um, but no, man, I think that getting home plan advantage, I mean, I mean, obvious for obvious reasons, that's huge for our team. But like, I think the way we play at home versus, I mean, we played a lot better on the road this year than we have in previous years, but like historically with this, with this group of guys and this team, like we play so much better significantly at home and Detroit would love that dude. It would mean so much for the city. It would mean so much for the fans, like having home field advantage throughout the playoffs in Detroit, bro. Would, I mean, that's something that no one has been able to fathom. I don't even, I mean, no one in our lifetime. I mean, I don't, I, even in the early nineties, I don't think they got in. I don't think they ever won the NFC or got home field advantage. Right. So, I mean, you're talking about something that hasn't happened since like our grandparents were, you know, watching the team as kids i mean you know it's just it's it's crazy so um i mean this would be amazing like i said not only for the 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 team and the guys around but it would mean everything for the city and everything for the fans it would be absolutely insane dude it would be huge like i think it would mean more for detroit than it would mean for almost any franchise in the league like it would just be it would be in poetic yeah it, it, i think that if if you get the first round by that would be huge for not only the team but for, for the chances of going to the Super Bowl because you only play two games, the probabilities of you getting um, past the divisional round playing the lower seed that wins that first wild card game, I mean that's a great situation right there. And then if you do play San Francisco or Philly in the in the NFC Championship, they're coming off a game where they just beat the shit out of each other and you play the lower seed. So that's why home field advantage does matter in the playoffs. Like I always hear. Um, Patrick Mahomes always says it. He, he always says it. He says, you know, you got to get home field. That way they come to us and we don't go to them. And that's exactly. that's the way. Well, yeah, you don't have to worry about added tra- uh, travel, added pressure. Uh, I mean, you know, you're you're in your zone. You get to, you know, practice in your facility and play in your facility later that day. You don't have the jet lag and the travel. I mean, um, you know, and some of the toxic atmospheres. I mean, you're going. you're talking about going into another stadium where they have their fans and it's playoff time. Like it's, it's a lot, man. Like for a bunch of guys that have never made the playoffs, how much more comfortable would it be to be able to do it at home where, you know, the field, you know, the fans, you know, the stadium, you know, you know, the, the cadences and nuances of how you're going to play this game. Like it just makes it so much better. I mean, even if we don't get home field, I still think we have a really good chance to take a really deep run. And you don't have to take any you don't have to deal with the crowd. That's the biggest exactly. thing. I mean, it's going to be – I mean, we have a chance to do something special, man. And I think we're even a little better than I maybe even originally thought. I mean, I think our original um, – I think our original prediction was what, a 12 and 5? Yeah. I think you – I think you and 
Yeah, I want to. I think we had the same one. I think we said twelve and five. You said yeah. you said twelve and five. I said twelve and five. We both said Jameer Gibbs is offensive player of the year. We're trending in the right direction, but Mayank may have us beat. I said Gardner Johnson for defensive player of the year. That's not going good. Surprise player of the year. You had Walker. You're looking the best there. And rookie of the year, you had Branch and I had Jameer Gibbs. So did Mayock had Branch too. But if we look at who who do we fear most? I mean, look at you guys are better than me. I mean, I fear the Green Bay Packers for God's sake. And look at them. They look they look absolutely awful. But yeah, I uh, someone was comment or someone was uh, saw some stuff online earlier. Oh, are you uh, the are you guys scared of the Vikings, man? They're we're knocking on they're knocking on our door. I'm I'm scared. Uncomfortable. I I mean. It, it is crazy that they've rattled off five wins in a row. I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we've separated ourselves enough. Now, if we say we had dropped another game and we were six and three, they're five and four, they're rolling. I might be like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, the fact that we have two games up on them and we're rolling ourselves, I'm not really worried. Well, uh, I, th- I mean, but I mean, but, but I mean, because barring like a colossal, like, fuck up failure from Meltdown. us, like, you know, like bad. Which I just yeah. don't that, that it doesn't seem like that SOL type of team to me. I don't I know we're all ingrained and trained to think that we're gonna have this colossal meltdown, but I just don't see it. I just I think everyone's in our rear view right now. And and, yeah. I, and I'm ignorant right now because I don't know the future. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but as of right now, I'm definitely not worried. The way I look at it is like um I know Josh Dobbs because he played at Tennessee and I, I do like ten, to watch Tennessee. And I always know with Josh Dobbs that he has this, he has a couple great games where he looks, he looks like he can be unbeatable. And then he goes into Josh Dobbs bad mode. And when Josh Dobbs goes into bad mode, it's not good. I mean, it's like very not good. He did it at Tennessee. He did it with the Steelers when he played there. Um, He was on the Lions practice squad. He was with the Tennessee Titans. When Tennessee Titans uh, picked him up and they started him, oh, he was looking great. And then there was a, after the, first couple games he played that that changed around too he wasn't the same player and that's they were they kept making plays yeah i think i mean i think vikings are a great spot for him i think he can be like a serviceable guy i mean he could be a starter he's a serviceable dude like i mean i don't know if that necessarily makes them i i the Vikings brass loves Kirk Cousins i don't know if it moves the needle of them moving on from Kirk Cousins or not per se but I mean, hey, I mean, Cinderella stories are cool, man. They're cute, they're fun, they're 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 great to see. They're good for sports, right? But I don't think the Cinderella story has uh, in the in the works has uh, Josh Dobbs leading the Vikings to a, a division title. Why the Lions have a colossal meltdown? It just doesn't seem it just, it does, it, it's too perfect, man. It, it does. Don't be worried. Don't be worried. The reason I don't worry about the whole. Um the whole Minnesota Vikings thing is simple. The Detroit Lions are 15 and four since week nine of last season. Okay. This isn't the same old Lions. This is not the same Lions. The Lions of before they would win some games and then they would drop some games. And I know, you know, people expected them to be perfect last year to, you know, to make the playoffs, but that's not reality. You're going to drop one of these weird games that you have, but the reality is they're 15, they're 15 and four, dude. Like that's, insane that 15 and four since week nine last season that means that you're a top echelon team you're one of the only teams in the nfl that has one or two losses so people just need to chill out like they're gonna be fine 
there's something I want to talk about for a second too. And I, we've talked about it before, and I know people have brought it up. We traded for Jared Goff, and people thought that Jared Goff, part of that trade was, like we talked about this before, was like a salary dump or a throw-in. And, you know, and Brad Holmes and Jer- and Dan Campbell have both doubled down. Definitely more Brad Holmes even doubling down that this is our guy. He was not a throw-in. He was not a salary dump. He was a big part of why we took this trade. And the fact that he came in, fans didn't like it. Fans didn't like him. They have a weird infatuation and obsession with Matthew Stafford. Guilty. I love Stafford. Um, just, it was, it was, he was fun, right? He was fun to watch. And, but the golf comes in, man, he, he puts his nose down. He goes to work. The team's shit. Matt Patricia ruined this team. So he takes a bunch of losses. This dude takes it all on the chin, stays a leader, stays confident, stays poised, turns the ship around, man. And this dude is a dude now, man. This guy is literally like a, a Michigan local freaking hero. Like, like, Around these parts, Jared Goff has turned into a guy, man. And uh, I just want to say, like, shout out to him for the way he handled the whole situation because, you know, he easily could have been disgruntled, pissed off, asked out, asked to be released, asked for a trade. Like, this dude doubled down and said, I'm going to make you fall in love with me. Let's do this shit. Hop in my backpack. Let's go. And they, like, just turn this shit around, man. So, like, I think that, like, just this dude that we thought was just some timid Noodle arm shitball from Cali. Like, he really proved himself, man. And this dude has got Detroit written all over him. And I, I'm i happy that he's changed my mind because I was a golf hater for a long time. And this dude has changed my mind. And he's right He's right at the ship. And this dude is a is a baller. Like, for real. I love it, man. I told I told people when he got traded here, I said he, he's going to be around for a while. And people like, well, you, you didn't really laugh at me. But there's a lot of people that laughed at me. I just felt like Jared Goff, when he has the right coach, he has the right people that believe in him, he could take the next step. And I feel like him getting traded to Detroit was the best thing for him because it well, got him out of his career ender, you know? Well, that's where I, that me and that's where uh, me and Ann Erickson uh, of the Riff, we were talking about this uh, today, um, how Jared Goff has came here and he's just big, he's just been a leader. He's been a leader of the offense. He's been a leader of, you know, like I told Ann, I was like, look, you know, when you're the when you're when you're a quarterback and you throw an interception, the the one thing that a lot of quarterbacks do that gets them in a lot of trouble is they hide in a hole or they 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 think about it too much. It's like a goalie that can't shake that he just gave up a goal, right? Eventually, you're going to give up a goal. You're going to throw an interception. That's just a fact that matter. But what do you do after it? And every time that Jared Goff has thrown an interception this year, what has happened the play after? I mean, the drive after? I would I would say more often than not, he's either scored a touchdown or gotten some points on the board. He's scored all touchdowns. All touchdowns. Awesome. Every freaking one of them. That's awesome. So when you talk about a quarterback, what do you want in your quarterback? You want resiliency. You want a guy that if he does something effed up, if he throws an interception that he knows he shouldn't have thrown, he comes back the next play, next drive, and he leads the team down the field. Doesn't matter how they lead the team down the field, they lead the team down the field. And if you look at it yesterday, there was a play where Dave Montgomery had that 75 yard run, touchdown run. That was an audible. That wasn't supposed to be the play. That's awesome. I the reason that. that the reason that it was a play because Amara came up to Jared Goff and's like, "We're not in the right personnel." He's like, "Oh shit, we aren't." 
So he audibles into that play. And what do you know? It's 75 yards. The little things as you do as a quarterback, that's what matters. And a lot of people talked about Stafford when he was well, what here. What the hell did Stafford ever audible or check anything, dude? That's what frustrated frustrated me about him and his career. It's like, dude, never, never was. Well, that's, that's the thing players. about a lot of quarterbacks, you know, they get by on talent alone, right? Like, there's no denying what Matthew Stafford has. The talent is there, right? Oh, yeah. Justin Herbert, the talent is there. There's just things that they don't do that championship quarterbacks do. You know, we could say Tom Brady all we want, right? Tom Brady is 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 the GOAT, right? But the thing about what made Tom Brady great is his sense of the game. He understood in this certain times of the game where he had to make a check at the line, an audible at the line. You were a Colts fan. You had uh, you had a family full of Colts fans. What did Peyton Manning do all the time? Oh, chat, yeah, audible, chat, all the chat, time, man. audible, all, audible, all audible. Like th- that's what the good quarterbacks do. They figure out the defense and they make that check and they go, "Nope, we're gonna go into something else." And then, boom, you get a seventy-five <laughs> yard from to- uh, Montgomery. Pat McAfee had made made a joke on his show, and uh, they, they talk about it how Peyton Manning be like, "Oh, what?" You know, act like he couldn't hear you in the mic. Oh, what? Oh, I, it's cutting out. I can't hear you. And, even though he could hear the coach just fine. Yeah, we're gonna we're not doing that. We're gonna do this. I, you know the. You got a, you know, we got a Mike Blitz coming. We got a safety down low. We're gonna check this, blah blah blah. Check that, check check hot route, you know. And it's like that's, you know, understanding the game and seeing it from a different perspective, having an high IQ. Jared Goff's biggest weapon is up here. Yeah, he really that's is. that's what that's what makes Tom Brady great. I mean, Tom Brady did not have an arm like Patrick Mahomes. He did right. not have the athletic ability like. Lamar Jackson or Mahomes, but what made him great was his smarts, the way that he played the game, the way that he thought the game out. That's the most important thing. You know, I remember Scotty Bowman. This is going to hockey, but Scotty Bowman always told people that if he needed a, if the game was on the line, who would he go to? And he said Larry Murphy and Nick Lidstrom. Larry Murphy, like, why would you go to Larry Murphy? Because he knows what he's doing at all times, and he's not going to make that mistake that is going to be a fatal flaw. And he's not going to, if he makes a mistake, he's not going to make the mistake of thinking it over and over again and then ruining his game. Yeah. No, absolutely, man. I mean, there's just, there's just guys you got to trust and believe in. And like I said, Jared Goff has, has done that for us. And, um, with, without him, it would be very tough. I mean, we would not have turned it around like this. I mean, for from what was being thought of as a place where careers go to die, Detroit was the place that resurrected and saved Jared Goff's career because yeah. Sean McVay tried to do everything he could to, like, bury that guy. And that just kind of shows his true colors and shows what kind of a person he is. Um, and so being back against the wall, hey, careers go here to die, have fun Detroit loser, you know, we're going to freaking go win a chip. Jared Goff said, "You know what? I could ask out. You know, when when my when my receivers like uh, when my receivers are liking posts about Lamar Jackson coming to Detroit, when fans are making posts about Lamar Jackson getting traded to Detroit, when people are um, not publicly expressing their love and um, affirmation and confidence in their Detroit, like even even Dan Campbell through." Uh, him under the bus a few times the last couple seasons, you know, since he got here a few times. He, he instead of taking that personal and saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask out or screw you guys," he said, "You know what? Duly noted. I'm gonna put that back here in the back of my mind, and I'm gonna make you eat your, I'm gonna make you eat shit, and I'm gonna make you eat your words, and I'm gonna go to work." And 
hey, not too many people are built like that, man, for real. I thought he was – I always thought he was kind of a little bit more of a, you know, a soft kind of sissy Cali boy just because – just from – just from sheer stereotypes alone. And uh, no, this this dudes he's a different animal, man. He's got what it takes to be here, and I like how he's handled the whole situation. He's uh, he's definitely been a guy for us. I, I'm, I'm looking at a golf extension this offseason would mean big things for us. And I think no, it's going have, to I have Monday Night Countdown on my TV right now, and they're talking about the Lions right now. That's I mean, awesome. that, just, that just goes to show you what the Lions are to the NFL right now because the reality of the situation is this. We talked about Jared Goff. We talked about this team. It's all that comes from the head coach. And that aggressive mindset that he had yesterday of going forward on fourth down, you know, I, you and Mayonk, I think we're, I don't know. I know there's a couple of people that I was talking to. They were like, oh, my God, like, why is he not taking the points? And I was like, for you take the points, Kyle, he was plus seven. You know, he he could have been plus, you know, if, if he would have took the two points, he would have been plus six. But then he that's, that third one he went for, plus seven. He was plus seven overall. So I uh, I know that his aggressiveness will win us more than lose us. I uh, It's just tough. Like punting instead of giving Riley Patterson an opportunity for a 54-yarder. Like that just shows we don't really have a kicker. No, like, I, I think what that shows you is this. I think he has more confidence in Jack Fox that he can flip the field. Now, if Jack Fox would have got him down at the one-yard line or two-yard line or something and it ends up in a safety, that's a total win. You know, that's that's kind of where you're looking at that special teams thing and you're like, okay, if the special teams could just be good enough and they can get someone out there, that could be crucial. But, like, Jack Fox is a hell of a punter. So if I, still he think we're looking, I still think we're definitely looking for our kicker, though. Oh yeah, I think I think we're definitely looking for a kicker, but you know how many kickers there are in the NFL? Like every team's struggling to find a kicker. I uh, I wish they wouldn't have let Prater go, man. To be honest with you. Well, that was um that was um Matt Patricia. He was pissed off that he was here. So so what it is. So uh, E Kenna from the YouTube says I definitely thought Lions would draft a quarterback, a first round quarterback after golf trade. I think everyone did. Um. Now, people are saying, let's go get Jack Jones. Guys, Jack Jones is not going to be a culture fit here, and there's no chance the Lions even take a chance on him. I mean, this is a guy that robbed the Panda Express, okay? He robbed the Panda Express. The next closest thing to robbing a Panda Express is robbing a freaking McDonald's, okay? Like, you are bottom-of-the-barrel idiot. Like, what does Panda Express have? Uh, I love their orange chicken. I had it today, but Jesus, Pete's, man. Jack Jones is Jack Jones is an idiot. Now I know this motherfucker over here, Tyler, loves the Crab Ragoons. I also like the Crab Ragoons too. Dude. Now, um, Neil says, "What's up, bro?" Uh, uh, Goff, uh, Robert says, "Goff needs to stay confident." Stafford and Goff are a lot like when you can see them and they aren't confident in the huddle. It shows when you they are yelling out plays and involved with confidence. He plays lights out. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think um, I don't think Stafford and Goff are anything alike. And finally, E. Kenna he goes White Castle. So that was going back to our Jack uh, Jack Jones robbing a Panda Express. What's worse, he says White Castle. So I I think Stafford. One thing that he was actually lacking is that he wasn't a very local a vocal leader, and he was just like I don't know. He was pretty much like I don't want to say cocky, but his almost would thought like you know what my arm can save us from anything so i'm just gonna sling this bitch wherever and we're gonna do this thing 
um, I just like Goff as a just like I love I like Stafford's arm talent, like arm talent, just his arm. I don't like his decisions than, though. A hell of a lot more than Goff's, but his decision making, his IQ, his leadership, like I think Goff is such an upgrade now that I look back on it. Like we're going to be, especially if we win a playoff game and we get another few seasons of Jared Goff, say we extend him to a four-year deal and we are like a perennial playoff contender and we get a few playoff wins, we're, everybody's going to forget all about Matthew Stafford. I love the people that, you know, when Stafford was here, they were talking about quarterback wins. And then when Goff gets here and starts winning football games, they're like, no, we need a strong-arm quarterback. We need a strong-arm I'm like, dude. Can you make up your F in mind? So that is what it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I just, I mean, dude, you could, you know, be in a situation where, you know, you, you just, your dude just totally shits the bed. You could be the Giants. I mean, you could have Daniel Jones. That is true. Now, this is another thing I want to get to. Uh, this is St. Brown's last seven games six catches, 102, nine catches, 102, five catches, 56 yards, touchdown. 12 catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown. 13 catches for 102 yards. Six catches for 108 yards. Eight catches for 156 yards and a touchdown. I mean, if this hey, doesn't he had, show... a t- he had a touchdown last game. Right. This was the Lions PR that tweeted this out, too. Yeah, he so, had a touchdown last game. I think but, it was a rushing touchdown, though, wasn't it? You, you could, yeah, it's a rushing touchdown. But that's just what uh, Amara St. Brown is doing right there. This is offensively... Uh, so the Lions got 325-plus yards of total net yards in each of the first nine games of the season for the first time in franchise history. And then we go to the last slide that I want to show. This is the only Lions rookies to produce 400-plus scrimmage yards and four TDs in a three-game span. Look at that list. Barry Sanders, Billy Sims, and Jameer Gibbs. So, I mean, I don't know what you think, Tyler. I, I'm i one of the people that, like I said, the Jameer Gibbs pick was good. It's proven out pretty damn good right now. I remember when we were you. I remember when we were doing the draft coverage. You were not happy with the way that they picked it, but but then at the end you were like, you were like, oh, we got Brian Branch in the second round. We got Sam Laporta in the second round. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. If, if you just switched the order of it, people would have been like, oh my god, generational. But like, it was a great draft. It was. Great. Now draft. I'm curious, what the hell are we gonna do with this next draft? I mean, like, there's gonna be. We're, we've known to grow and love all these guys. Like, it's going to be to a point where some guys are just going to leave, whether it's free agency, whether it's get, you know, getting released, getting cut. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see because I've covered the team more in the last two years with you, like, or two or three years with you than I ever have. Like, I mean, I've always followed very closely, but, like, we've, we've invested our time, effort, energy to every position, every player. Like, we – and we've gotten, like, guys that we – really like it all these positions so it's going to be interesting to see who we let go and and for what and and what we do in the draft like i already think how the hell can we get better but hey we can we could use a corner we could use a dt we could use a dn we could you know use an edge rusher yeah the freedom sheet is going to be what the one thing this is a comment that i'm i, I don't understand golf is an equivalent to Stafford's big toe yeah i i guess dude i guess the one guy's went to a super bowl one guy's won a super bowl with the same team different circumstances I guess they're not equivalent. I guess they're not equivalent. People, and this guy, again, he goes, people forget Brad Holmes did not draft and Hooker for nothing. Do not be surprised if Hooker is a starter in 2025. I think our backup quarterback like, position we, was so bad that we literally drafted Hooker to be, like, 
for eternal insurance for golf. For seriously, Hooker's gonna be like twenty nine by the time we get there, dude. Like, what are we talking about? Like, can we stop? Like, why? Why do you people want to reinvent the wheel? Like, why? Why? Why do you want to reinvent the wheel? I don't. I don't understand it. Like, Jared Goff is proving how good he is. Yeah. Then you want to go? Oh, let's go, Hendon Hooker, because you know, God dang, Hendon Hooker, he might be great. Yeah, he might be awful too. You might get Daniel Jones. You might get freaking Justin Fields. You might get some spud. Like you never know. Yeah. If you got a proven quarterback, if you got a top ten quarterback, you keep him. Period. I mean, Jared Goff right now is on pace. Jared Goff is on pace for twenty, about twenty-seven touchdowns, about forty-eight hundred yards, and about nine picks. I mean, that's a that's a. What do you think about idea of Hooker being rotated in golf? That's a horrible idea. Absolutely. Not. These these quarterbacks, you cannot rotate quarterbacks. If you rotate quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. That's how it goes. Yeah. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, what was it? The Michigan team they had. Uh, they had Joe Milton and uh, forget who else was it. It was it was it was all McNamara maybe. No, it was it was uh Brandon Peters. Oh my god, that was awful. They're like, we have two quarterbacks, one that can run and one that can throw a bomb. It's like, why can't they just have freaking one? <laughs> yeah, he can't uh, bring up a good point. You might get Andre Ware, and you know what? You might get Andre Ware if you if you go that route. So that's the that's the kind of needle yeah, look, that you get. Listen, I know some of you old older school fans. Like, I know I'm not super old enough to like remember that whole thing, but. Let's not act like Andre Ware ever got an actual fair chance, okay? That's true. <laughs> Wayne has absolutely Brian, hated that dude. That was not fair. Now, Brian says Hooker is multi-talented once Brad leaves. Goff will either regress or go with Ben once Ben leaves. Well, here's the thing, Brian. I don't think this is Ben Johnson's offense. I think this is Dan Campbell's offense because if you look at the – when uh, they fired Anthony Lynn and you look at that offensive philosophy that they have now – it's the same philosophy Dan Campbell started out with. And Ben Johnson's just calling the plays. Uh, who are must-keep players? He says St. Brown, Penny, Sewell, Goff, all we need to get paid. I agree with that list right there. I really do. St. Brown, Penny, Goff on offense. Defense. Uh, defense, you need to keep the guys you need to keep around. Aiden Hutchinson, Aline McNeil, mm-hmm. and like a Brian Branch, Kirby Joseph, like one of the, like, those are cornerstones. Unless Jack Campbell starts showing out. Those are cornerstones. I mean, you, you, like, Brian Branch is already keeping, already, like, putting himself in the conversation as a cornerstone. Kirby Joseph already put in his conversation as Mm -hmm. a cornerstone. Um, Usually you have about four, three to four cornerstones on each side of the ball. And I think we've got those. How about <laughs> E. Kenna, man? He's coming with the fire today. Okay, how about Joey Harrington? It's because I said Andre Ware didn't receive a fair chance. Joey Harrington. That was a shot right at you. There, dude, I don't even know because Joey Harrington was a phenomenal quarterback in college. I mean, the oh. Detroit Lions were such a dumpster fire in that short amount of time. I don't know if anybody could have been good for the Detroit Lions. And I mean that. I mean, Joey Harrington was historically pretty damn bad. But, dude, our team was like, that might have been the worst any team's ever been, ever. It was crazy. Our, they might, were so bad. You might be right about that. Um, and then, I, Dan, you're you're probably right about that. I agree with that. Um, I think, comment. I mean, 
I don't, dude. You could have put freaking prime Patrick Mahomes on the freaking 2006 Lions, and that dude would have had a hard time. He might be right. It was tough. It's tough. Uh, that that was that. Those were the days. Um, uh, we could delay on a new contract for Hutch another season, don't you think? Oh, yeah, I, you're gonna delay. Uh, He's gonna be at least. He, we're talking about another. I, I wouldn't even be surprised if if Disner looked into like. Hey, if it doesn't piss this guy off too much, let's pick up his fifth-year option and let's extend this out even further. I, well, yeah, not, I, mean, I don't think you're looking for a hundred extension until at least another three seasons. Well, a lot of a lot of players love that fifth-year extension True. because it gives you another year to, for a contract uh, renewal, and it's guaranteed money, so you're good there. Um, are you guys worrying about many those th- three last games, many Dallas, and then many in the final? Could that could be the division? I think personally. I really don't think it's I me and Tyler, we talked about this. I don't think it's gonna get to that point. I think with the schedule you got coming up, you could really handle business. Now the Vikings have one game that they have to look at. That's Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals are gonna be fighting for their playoff lives. So if you think that Joe Burrow with the added motivation of the playoffs against Minnesota is gonna be a great idea, I mean that is a game that I'd I'll tell you this thing: the lion. It's very, it's a very lions thing to happen that Josh Dobbs absolutely destroys us because he's the type of guy. For some reason, we would make him look like a freaking all pro for real, and you know it. That's why you're laughing. You know it. Um, but I'm also the defense. The the Minnesota defense is so freaking old and banged up and shitty and just out of like sync. Like as a whole, I just I'm not scared. Like looking at our offense. I think we are going to absolutely cut Minnesota to pieces. Stop what, Darcy? Stop what? Stop what? I agree they got the Bengals. We got the Cowboys. Well, I'm not scared here. of the Cowboys. I'm not scared of the Cowboys. Here's the thing. I'm not scared of the Cowboys because Dak is going to go Dak. That's what he's going to do. Like that. I, I know a lot of people look at the Cowboys and they go, oh, look at that defense. Dude, they lost the Arizona Cardinals, Okay. <laughs> they they lost the Arizona Cardinals. They got destroyed by the 49ers. There's kinks in their armor. I people that worry about the worry about them. Uh, he said Dobbs. Darcy says Dobbs. What do you mean Dobbs? I'm not worried about Dobbs. I don't know. Dobbs is a nice story. He's a serviceable starter. He's on a Cinderella run right now. But I'm not gonna sit here and act like Josh Dobbs is the next coming of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's Josh Dobbs. I watched him at Tennessee for a long. I watched him at Tennessee for a while. I watched him have great games, and then I watched him have these games where he just blew his diaper, especially against in critical games. I mean, I remember one game against Alabama. They were they were supposed to come and play a great Alabama team, which was a really good Alabama team, and this guy throws six interceptions in that game. I'm like, geez, oh, Pete's man. I worry about playing mobile quarterbacks. I think that's everyone's worry because uh, once they get out of that pocket, they can make plays happen. I think if you have a mobile quarterback, you're really going to have an easier time. And look, there's a lot of people that are can't. Now, see, that's what Darcy, I told you, we are sweeping the division. I, I agree with that. Maybe he was saying stop as in like, don't like blow Dobbs up too much. Maybe he was on our side. Yeah, I think he was. Darcy's a good guy. Darcy's a good guy. DC can't scheme against them. Yeah, you know, they have trouble with the mobile quarterbacks, but a lot of people have trouble with mobile quarterbacks. I mean, that's why people have trouble with Jalen Hurts. That's why people have trouble with Patrick Mahomes. People, that's that's why. 
And then uh, Robert uh, says Dobbs will fizzle out. I agree with you, Robert. Dobbs will fizzle out. I really do. Um, like I said, that's the kind of guy he is. So, even I'll put it this way: even if Dobbs doesn't fizzle out, I am literally so not scared of Minnesota's defense. Not even a tiny tad bit. I'm not even worried about what they can do on offense. Don't don't tell my buddy Matt that he'll he'll tell you that you know his team is great and his team is gonna rule what, the freaking forty year old freaking Harrison Smith or forty year old Daniel Hunter or what? Uh, you know what Matt's Matt just has he always comes up with these new. I remember when he thought Sam Bradford was the goat. Like I was like, bro, Sam Bradford sucks. Okay, we're at the end of the program. I know Daniel Hunter's not that old. He's only like twenty nine. But I'd like to get Daniel Hunter. That'd be nice next. That year. would be nice. But now, but, but literally Harrison Smith's like thirty five. All right, Tyler, get to your final comments. So, because I think the main events come out at seven. So, and we can be done by seven. So, yeah, no, man. Uh, you know, I'll keep it short and swift. I mean, uh, like I said before, we're keeping this, we're keeping the high, we're keeping riding this momentum. And uh, I think that we need to have, we need to elevate our sights. It's not just about, hey, can we win the division? Can we make the playoffs? It's okay, we need to elevate. How can we get home field advantage? How can we make a Super Bowl run? And I think that everybody on our team, um, the Lions that were, you know, such great fans of, are also elevating their sights. They're also elevating where their mindset is, and I think that's huge. I think before it was like, could we win the division? Maybe could we make a wild card? Maybe now everybody's focus is on, hey, could we get make it to the Super Bowl? Could we get home field advantage? Could we win the freaking NFC? So, um, you know, with loftier um, performances come come loftier expectations, and. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot about this team and a lot about its players, about how we handle winning, how we handle being a perennial um, winner. And if we can keep this up, man, if we have a good season, we make a deep run, and we can continue to do this over the next few years, it'll really show that our franchise is, is for real and we're, and we're trying to make this turnaround. Like, I think uh, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell is building this out for sustainable, sustainable long-term success. Uh, and I'm I'm excited to see it, man. So – like I said, keep your sights high, keep your goals high, and I think that, uh, you know, we're going to be playing for something real special at the end of the year, man, and hopefully we can lock up that NFC and we can get some home field games. All right. Um, so my final my final thing is I, I just – I think people need to stop worrying about the Minnesota Vikings. I really do. I Listen, I, I know, know my friend Matt is going to clown me. He's going to say I'm a clown, but – you know, he's trying to tell me that the, the Cowboys are harder than the, the Cincinnati Bengals, and I just don't agree with him at all. Now, here's the thing about the Detroit Lions. They're hitting their stride, and I think with if they get healthy in this final stretch of the season, I think you're going to see a different team. I really do. I think if they can get James Houston back by maybe the Minnesota game, oh, my God, that could be huge because um, that's his timetable return, hopefully no setbacks. But – if you get to the playoffs and you get this first round by this home field advantage, this is huge. Like this is absolutely huge. And if you're a Lions fan, you have to be thinking about the home field advantage, the first round by, because if you get the first round by, it's going to make it a lot easier on you. And I know people are, you know, wonder why we didn't trade for anybody to trade that line. I really do think that uh, Brad Holmes has this thing kind of censored out to where, you know, next year is the year that he goes all in. I think he's going to make a big trade in the offseason. That's my opinion. I really do think that's going to happen. I think that he's going to make a big trade in the offseason, whether it be for an edge, whether it be for a cornerback. He's, I think he's going to be very, very active in that front. And 
Look, Brian Holmes has made some great picks. Jameer Gibbs is starting to turn it on. Brian Branch looks good. Kirby Joseph obviously looks good. There's a lot of great players on this team. So if if Brad Holmes gets another offseason, this team's going to be tough to beat for the sustainable future. And you just said it, Tyler. The sustained success. That's what you want. You don't want a fit, you don't want it to fizzle out like the Lions uh with Matthew Stafford did, where they had one great year and then they had two bad years, and they had one great year and then they had two bad years. And they were never really a favorite to win a Super Bowl, or they were never really a favorite to win the NFC because they had were flawed as hell. This team is more better than other teams than in years past. And you would have to go back to the nineties to actually look at a team that's close to this Lions team right now. So it's going to be fun down the stretch. We didn't do a podcast last week. We didn't do a podcast in the bye, but we're going to we're going to get back into it because there were some things that were happening, so that's whatever. But we're going to get back into the podcast. More videos coming, more everything coming. Tyler, thanks. Uh, it was a great show today. We had a lot of uh, we had a lot of great conversation with the, the listeners, and um, we will see you guys in the next Detroit Lions News podcast. Maybe, I don't know, maybe – I don't know, whatever, Saturday, Friday, whatever, somewhere in there. We'll do something early, you know? Yeah, man, I'm down. Maybe maybe, maybe even a game day podcast, like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, to lead you down there. So we'll see you guys in the next podcast. Uh, so subscribe. Go to Between the Whistles Detroit YouTube page. Subscribe there as well. Check out my interview with The Riff with uh, Anna Erickson when we talked about the Lions and Super Bowl contention and everything. Great thing. Um and we'll see you guys in the next podcast. Enjoy the rest of the night. Uh, I know the main event's coming up next, so I just got we just gotta go. But Tyler, it's been a great one, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Oh, down, down! What a what an ending. See you guys.